0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: media and it just really picked up like two months ago and then it was when one of our administrators said hey but have you seen it and so in her office she typed in can you type up a research paper with five resources and she said pick a topic and I pick climate change and it wrote a five paragraph essay citing all of the information and with the the work cited at the bottom. It was it was amazing. Interesting
2: and I think that people people didn't really realize this point what ai is capable of a lot of people had known kind of what it was it's it's kind of been sprinkled into conversations here and there for the past five years maybe but this is the first time an ai company which it's it's open ai is the company that owns it this is the first time they've really taken such a powerful ai and said the whole public can use it for free Uh, this is the first time like any ai company has really done that and i think we're kind of seeing the, um, the effects of it now, and obviously we're going to get into whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think we should just start by admitting how, how powerful it is, and uh, if this is what AI is capable of now, to completely replicate human writing, then what will it be capable of in five years, in uh, ten years? So
0: Definitely, and obviously we've discussed a lot about the sort of evolution of technology, on the podcast and in many different obviously social circles as students but i think ai especially over the last i should say next 20 years or so 30 years is going to advance much farther than even the phone has the cell phone i should say in the last 20 years right obviously in the early 90s we have more the brick style and now we have obviously phones that can be as tiny as a screen size of four inches right and are as capable as they are but in terms of the potential cons i guess you could say. When it comes to education and chat GPT, what would you say, Mr. Coes, is are the potential implications when it comes to strictly challenges in regards to not just teaching but for students?
1: Well, I mean we could park here for a long time because the example I just gave you is the assistant principal we, we looked at this I think that 's what a lot of teachers freak out about right away is this idea that it can write a paper for you, hmm. um, and you just mentioned technology in the phone, and I think back ten years ago when cell phones started to become something that every student had in their hand but we wanted to lock that down because they can cheat or they can do things with it and so you weren't even allowed to have a phone in class wow. you couldn't have it with you and now it's almost an assumption that you have your phone with you and some teachers will say hey grab your phone look this up real quick and it's become a tool hmm. and and I when I started thinking about this this AI I started relating it to the phone and then another colleague said well think about the calculator if you think yeah. about the purists you know in terms of math back in the day when the calculator became available i guarantee that most teachers are like absolutely not you cannot have that calculator mm-hmm. it's cheating you need to know how to do this thing the, all these calculations and yet what are you guys supposed to have in your classroom when you go to math every day
0: calculator, calculator.
1: a calculator and so the, the, the interesting thing is you know obviously depending on what math you're
3: in but most will let you use a simple calculator some of the higher math classes will uh do different things but they were able to kind of like come up with a compromise They are able to use it but say only on certain units of math or whatever some of it you still have to do non-calculator um, which is interesting and i think that's what they're going to do with the chat uh, gpt but i think though it can also you know benefit students as well because ne- they don't need to necessarily use it to cheat off of but gain more knowledge about a certain topic where they have to do a research paper it can definitely give them more of a background and a place to start i think but I think that was an issue mainly caused by COVID with the whole cheating thing being online. I think that's definitely where this has emerged and it's gotten to this point.
1: Yeah, I, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, you could cheat using chat GPT, but things that you need to be cautious of is it's not always exactly right. Um, I had a student in class, and that's what really got me excited about doing a, a conversation like this, sure. who said he had used it. And I said, how did it go? And he said, well, I had put in something for a, a senior essay and I mentioned something about me liking uh, cooking and it wrote an essay about how you wanted to be a chef. Wow. He's like, that was not true. And so I said, so what did you have to do? And he goes, well, I had to go back and revise it. And so I think you're starting to learn the skills of how to use it to get a baseline, just like you use a calculator. But if you don't know the whole process, even that calculator doesn't become beneficial. So you need to know how do you use ChatGPT. Uh, and, and I will tell you, just to add it, as you guys continue the conversation, I was listening to the radio Um There are real estate agents right now. I mean, ChatGPT has only been talked about for like the last few months. He said that 30 to 40 hours have been saved in the last two months of him working because he uses ChatGPT to write up the descriptions of his properties. Wow. Wow. So it's really being used. So we would almost be remiss in education to say we're not going to touch this tool. And I give a lot of credit to – I know a lot of our English teachers are actually diving in and saying, hey, students, let's use it. Let's figure out how it works. Let's figure out uh, the things that it's missing and how you can utilize it as a tool. Sure. And now you
0: discussed a little bit about how it can potentially be used as a tool. Obviously, you kind of discussed the con of it, being that if you put something in, sometimes it won't be as direct as maybe it should be. But what do you think, besides obviously being able to cheat on various things, are the potential benefits for students in regards to ChatGPT?
1: Well, you know, I teach education classes, and so it's so relevant because I'm teaching students that this now is going to be a part of what they're going into. Sure. You know, my seniors that are in Ed Academy are going to be in a classroom in five years where this is going to be a part of what they do, kind of like a calculator became a part of a math class. Um, as a teacher, the tool is amazing. Um, you know, a new teacher, you got to figure out all your lesson plans. We, we put chat GPT up on the screen in our classroom, and I said, let's let's ask it to create a lesson plan. And we said, write a lesson plan for sea levels rising due to climate change for a 50 minute block. It wrote out the state, it had standards, it had objectives, it had materials, it had 10 minute breakdowns. And then you can say, modify that for an 80 minute block. And it would modify it and it would change it. And then you could even say, provide differentiation and sources for reading and it would do it. And I was thinking, for a baseline, for a new person in a profession to say, you know, I, I need to get up to speed. I need a new lesson plan. I need an idea. The stuff that it was cranking out was mm-hmm. just remarkable. Yep. Um, and so for students to, you know, I, I heard someone recently talking today that they had a long text that was really wordy and difficult for them to understand. And they typed into chat GPT, give me a summary of this so I can better understand. And it did. Wow. Now I'll throw a caution in. Because my wife is, is doing grad classes right now, and she had a similar thing with a lot of stuff. And I said, well, why don't you just type in a chat GPT and see what you get? It gave some responses, but she needed sources. And I said, type in provide the sources, and it did. However, she could only find one out of five of them. That's the key. And I think as we look at education, how can it be a tool? Sure, it's awesome. It's going to give you all sorts of ideas for writing. It's going to give you sources of material. But you've got to learn how to vet it, how to make sure that it's accurate. And I think that's what teachers are going to have to train students, is how do you get that stuff but make sure it's right? Sure. And it, it almost is like,
2: I'm not exactly sure what year Google Translate came out, um, but people have been using that uh, to help with Spanish or, or whatever foreign language they're learning for a long time now. And I think that the the foreign language teachers have sort of so they make assignments that are more difficult. Uh, that assignments that make you think beyond just something that you can translate, right? And so if, if an assignment is so surface level that a computer can write it for you, then maybe it doesn't require enough depth of thought because computers can only think to a certain extent, right? Um, and so while it may be able to do something like outline a lesson plan, is not a philosopher. So the odds of it generating
1: Harder but more thought-driven. And then secondly, you know, you gotta know your students. And I think if you know your students well enough now to the credit of teachers, when you're a high school teacher and you see 120 students, you know, if I saw 120 students writing, but oftentimes if you know the student and you know the writing, it's gonna jump out at you that it was Chat GPT that wrote it. And that's what I was gonna get
3: at like as an educator, like you can, like usually like before Chat GPT and other AI detection platforms like this. Usually teachers can tell when it's plagiarized because when a student's giving a speech or in writing, if they don't know the words or don't know what it means, that's how you know. And I think most English teachers especially are going to catch on to it. Um, but here's the thing. I like Jack was saying about the Google Translate thing. I'm in Spanish. Um, sometimes it's okay to look at it in a pinch if you don't know what one word means, but if you're learning your whole language by Google Translate, you're not learning the language. You're copying what a general like google a search engine is saying so it's really not learning it but in a pinch, if it's okay to learn one word that's fine just like how the chat chat uh gpt you know you're uh you know you get a base idea that's kind of what like google translate is you get a rough idea but obviously it's up to you to actually go figure out on your own in more depth like jack was saying of an analysis of something like that and, and let me bounce off of that because i was uh a couple of weeks ago i had a
2: uh, AP U.S. history test that I really needed to study for. The teacher the teacher gave a study guide for the test. Um, and a lot of the questions I knew, just because I have relatively been paying attention in class, but there were a couple questions that I just really did not know the answer to. And those questions, you know, if you look them up on Google, you're going to find a lot of different answers from a lot of different websites. So I went on to ChatGPT, and I typed in some of the questions that were on the study guide, and, um, and I said, you know, answer this question for me in, in a simple, you know, three-sentence response. And it summarized these specific, you know, U.S. historical events for me in very simple terms. Um, and, and I and I thought, wow, this is great because now I know the information. I'm absorbing what it's telling me. But it saved me the, you know, 20 minutes that it would have taken to go on all these different websites and, and assemble all the information just to figure out, you know, what uh, – national jingoism was um and so now i had the baseline idea and i ended up getting those questions right on the test because i had it summarized to me uh it's it's like you know asking someone that knows more about something than you to like give you a summary except you're asking a computer
3: yeah because sometime you know during those now that we have 80 minute blocks teachers are going on especially in those social study type classes they're going and reading and really pretty much any class where they really have to describe you something they're going on long lectures and it's sometimes hard to keep up with the notes the great thing about this is that it's able to summarize you a base idea and then you can go further than that but it gives you an outline and that's what students sometimes struggle with is note taking i think it's a great resource to use like if you're just trying to find like a quick summary and you don't want to go back through your
1: 10 pages of notes about whatever they sure thing is yeah and you know you you bring up some points and, and one that is is important to to note is the plagiarism component. When I originally got to see it for the first time, I will tell you my jaw has not dropped in twenty years the way it did when I saw how powerful this was. Um, and the fact that it can't even be screened as being plagiarized because you can have two people put in the same prompt and get different answers like that is Amazing. Now, I know there's been some releases of things that can indicate whether it's ChatGPT. I think OpenAI released something, but then I also heard on the radio um, that they put in several of them, and it couldn't even detect itself. Wow. So that's wow. not necessarily even sound. So it's going to be very difficult to, to recognize if it was genuine from GPT or sure. if it was the person. But again, it comes back to even without ChatGPT, we've had Google. And I think it comes down to the skill of knowing what is a credible source. Um, Google's a tool. But if you go on Google and believe that everything you see is true online, you know you're going to be led astray. Mm -hmm. There are websites that are not credible, and that's been an issue going on for 10 years of students going to Wikipedia early on where it was edited by some person. You know what I'm saying? Anyone can write on Wikipedia.
3: You can have just a blogist that believes a certain opinion or ideal, and they can say whatever they want. There's no limitations. So I think – you know, in college, they have students use databases of people that are actually profound and reliable sources. So they kind of get away from like the, you know, quoting certain websites more. So like going to like certain websites, like it's a different type, not just going to Google, going to a database that we allow you to use to get research for a history paper. Because professors in college, it's different from high school teachers. You know, high school teachers will help you along the way, kind of hold your hand in college. You're like, hey, if you cheat, that's on you. You know, and they'll figure it out and you'll get expelled, whatever. In high school, you get multiple chances sometimes, and that's the great difference in it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, again, it, it really comes down to teaching students and individuals and adults how do you use the tool and how do you use it well. Um, it's there. It's not going away. I mean, that's, I think that's what's wild about this as well. You know, in the past two months and why I'm excited to even talk about this and, and, and the education platform and, and the classes I teach – Like This isn't going away, and I don't think the answer is to say block it, and I think that's maybe what some teachers, their first response would be like, we've got to shut that down. I I just don't think that's it. I think we need to train students early on. How do you use it well? And I think we'd be doing a disservice. I mean, you just talked about how powerful it was. I talked about how a real estate agent is using it to save himself dozens of hours of writing something. Now, should he have learned early on in his career how to write a good description? Sure.
2: And he probably does, but he found an easier way to do
1: it. Exactly. So in mm-hmm. your classroom, how do you how do you mitigate that in your classroom? Well, if there's something that's a writing piece that you know you want them to do without utilizing a tool, well then bust out a piece of paper and have them write it in a traditional manner to learn Definitely. some of those skills. But once the skills have been mastered, now open up the floodgates. Sure. It's the
3: same thing like with how like in writing in general, you know, before technology you had her Write it on a piece of paper. Or back in my mom's days, write it on a typewriter. Now you got Google Docs. It gives you the fonts. It gives you everything you need. You can share it with people. The accessibility factor. And I think that's a big thing about Chat uh, GBT is that you, know, you can get it so fast. And if you know how to use it well, like Jack was saying, it can really benefit you. So I think you just kind of got
1: to be careful in the way you use it. And I'd like to bring up one thing, and I've shared this with my classes, and this is going to open up a whole new avenue of conversation. Right now it's free. But if you look at the fine print, it sounds like it's in a trial period sure, of being yes. free. And now here's where we had this conversation. We're talking about equity in the classroom. And something I talk a lot about is once you leave my classroom, people go home to various scenarios. Some go home to having two parents who are there to support them in their homework and help them out. Others are going home taking care of siblings. Others are in a small apartment building. Others are working to help, help their family. Like Once they leave the classroom – All the resources in in everybody's life is very different.
3: Some students might not even have Wi-Fi.
1: Well, and so now let's talk chat GBT. Suddenly it's going to cost money. Well, what if this AI costs money? Who's going to benefit? The people that have the money. So now you've got students who are going to be more efficient, have this tool, and have the ability to use it that potentially are more affluent. And I think it has a the scary ability to create a greater divide, actually, in education or in society for those that can use it and those that can't. Uh, that's where I get a little concerned. I love that it's free now if you sure. can get on. Yeah. You know, but that can change the game too if it suddenly is going to cost money. Definitely. And now you discussed the
0: financial component, obviously, of it and kind of relating that to school. And obviously, we've talked about how it is kind of affecting people now, how it might affect classrooms, students five years in the future. But as you said, it's not going away. And as I said, it most likely will continue to evolve significantly, drastically over the next 30 or 40 years, right? But thinking long term, right? We're talking 50, potentially even 100 years. How do you think it is going to significantly alter the way we educate our youth? And do you think it potentially harm our education, make it so as a country overall, we aren't quite as educated because of the loopholes? Or do you think it could greatly benefit students?
1: I think it's going to force education to think differently. And a lot of things have. COVID makes teachers think differently. Um, How you reflect on your practice, what's important, knowing your students. Uh, You mentioned the way that questions are written in an assignment. It's going to force educators to think okay, well, that tool now exists. And now that the tool exists, what is something more that we can do with it to be more creative, to be more productive, to be more innovative? Think about the calculator. I was actually going to touch on the calculator thing.
3: Back in, like, middle school and even early on in high school, like when we had to take math tests and they happened to be on the uh, iPad, uh, you know, we were able to use the calculator on the iPad, which is Desmos. It's an app. And now since, like, after COVID, it's really changed. They they make us do Desmos test mode. It locks our calculator, and so we can't go to Google and get the answer. You have to use the calculator that you choose at the start of the test. And I think teachers, the the biggest thing that worries them is, like, the lack of security of it. Um, You know, it's so easy to do chat gpt you know rather like it can't there's no way yet where it can lock it and like it where it could tell if you're using it for school or not i think it'd be cool if they added a way where teachers can figure out if they used it for a school essay or for whatnot like certain like variants of it just like how the calculator now has a test mode maybe this has a school mode or something so kids can't be cheating off it that's an idea i have if i was you know the entrepreneur the business executive in a company because they're not i don't think they really made this for kids to cheat Honestly, that's not their intention with this. It's the fact that technology has developed so greatly, this is a way to benefit people, like what Jack was saying earlier and what even you touched on earlier.
1: Well, and the tricky part is again, you know, you, you're kind of pointing at the, the iPad in regards to locking that in or having a certain school mode, but you also all have a phone. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing. You can lock things in here in the building, but the moment you leave the building, ChatGPT is there. And so, again, that's scary, honestly. The, well, and that's again, but it makes you then as a teacher think, okay, it's there. So then how do I rewrite my curriculum? How do I emphasize the things that are really important? And to your point, you're talking 10 years from now. You said 100 years from now. Um, this is wild. This is where there's so much speculation. I mean, I, I've been watching these you know, various uh, infomercials or various things on social media where there are programs that you can generate for work training videos, and it looks like a real person. But it's not. It's AI that Mm. looks real, and it's going to interact with you almost – I mean this ChatGPT is being designed in a way that it's getting better and better. Yeah. Ten years from now, you're going to have a conversation with ChatGPT that's going to be nearly impossible to discern if it's a real person or not.
3: And there are going to be other platforms that get – as technology develops, there are going to be other platforms that do the same thing and do it better and – again the security factor is going to be an issue knowing whether or not a student wrote it or not because there are some students that are very smart that use very delicate language so what if they are actually are writing it without chat GPT and the teacher assumes they're writing it with it so there's going to be a lot of controversies as you know we go along with education and stuff Uh, you know it was so great to have you on here today and just talk about like all the recent events with the AI stuff I think it's really fascinating as we move forward here me too.
2: And, and another thing I'm just thinking about is, you know, it's it's a neural network, so the as people put in new inputs, it continues to learn and get better and get better and get better, and that's what makes AI, AI. And so in 50 years, if it's really replicating a human, and it's basically indistinguishable, then... Everything that's compo- every you know written composition loses some element of, of genuineness. If it's not written by a human, that isn't really isn't really genuine. Even if the message is still getting across, I I was reading yesterday. Obviously, most of us have heard that a couple weeks ago at Michigan State University, there's a, a tragic uh, shooting where I believe three people lost their lives and many many more got injured. Um, and obviously when something like that happens, all the other universities in the nation they like to issue their statements, um, and they like to kind of give their two cents on what happened, say that they stand with the survivors, that it was a horrible act. Um, in Vanderbilt University in Tennessee, they issued a, uh, an emailed letter saying how devastated they were by the violence, how, they, how we need to work together to, to stop these events from happening, flexible.
1: letters of condolence. And, and on a lighter side, we sat in class and again we just we stopped our lesson. I said if anybody gets on, we're gonna go ahead and we are going to, to do this uh, on the screen. We had it write a song about a duck swimming in a pond, something completely random. to say Is there anything you can't do. It was awesome. And then I said please write it in Spanish in the style of Taylor Swift. And it wrote this amazing song. There are people already now online and on YouTube that are writing songs, writing poems, doing all of this using ChatGPT. The component of originality, then one could be the counter argument and say, well, weren't they the original one who prompted it in a way to create something? They used a tool, just like a calculator and an engineer who's able to do some order. Processing because now he has that tool, and I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer, but it just poses some really interesting questions. Definitely, it does.
2: It's 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 a tool, but and I think if people use it in the right way, it, it's a good
3: tool. Um, it's a double-headed sword. One side's good, on one side's bad. What are people gonna do with it is up to them. Yeah, it's, it's 100% up to them. And
2: I think that I don't, I don't think we should block it out, and I don't think we should, you know, say say we shouldn't use it, but at the same time. We have to make sure we're not using it for everything because then we're not really, are we really even thinking? We're just kind of typing in prompts. We, we're not really, we're we even
3: really humans at that point. Humans are, you know, made for making mistakes. This thing might not make a mistake. So what is it really going to be like? Is this going to start in a broader depth? Going to start taking over people's jobs? Journalism is heavily relied on people telling true stories. If someone could just type up a rough
1: story of what happened in a chat, GBT, that's not really credible. What is it just going to become? That's what I'm trying to get at and that's where we have to be careful as students and as adults. How do you look at information and process it and look at the source? You know, now with ChatGPT, if it's going to cite sources, you need to look at those sources. Like, and it requires you. And the problem is because things have been so efficient, information is so efficient now in, in this day and age, that people don't want to take the time to look at the sources. And I think it's important, especially knowing that AI may be writing things really want to make it a part of your conviction who you are you need to take a look at those sources to make sure what you're seeing is even legit before you start forming your arguments in life whether it be political or, or a variety of different things you need to make sure the sources are there and that's a part of you know stemming back in education um you need to educate students and adults and how to use it and my concern is to think about how much open ai could be making right now if it was if it was a cost service um there's already a premium subscription. And so, like that in itself, they they open it up long enough. It is all over the media. People are talking about it. It's in every news stream that I have. And now there are realtors that are relying on it. There are business people relying on it. There are HR people that are relying on it to be more efficient, which means they're doing better. And the cost savings of 20 to 30 hours of billable time for that realtor, he's going to pay 20 bucks a month. But the reeler who's just getting started down the road, he may not have the additional funds to have everybody have their own license, and he's going to struggle to get by. Again, that financial component to this also is really intriguing to me, as we're still in the infancy of OpenAI's ChatGPT. GPT. Time is wealth for these people.
2: Exactly. And, you know, you were saying there's a lot of talks
3: about banning it within the walls of the school.
2: But then you were also saying situation.
1: Talking about all sorts of stuff with an education, and I, I love this stuff. It's hard though. I mean, I teach dual credit classes that are collegiate level classes. So when you even mention the difference between high school and college, I'm teaching as if I'm a college instructor. And so um, to give no homework is tricky, but I do my very best to carve that time in because of that thought that once you leave my, my room, it's no longer equitable and i'll tell you what it wasn't until years ago i saw someone speaking at a conference and they had a book talking about well i kissed homework goodbye and i'm like yeah whatever but in 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 our conversations of equity it really struck me and i think COVID brought that out too when i had students that were at home taking care of autistic siblings and i had others that had so much more available to them and it really just showed, showed me in their world how different it was it convicted me They offer class sets of calculators. Yeah. That, again, this brings you back to that whole tool thing. We have seen it as a valuable tool. So then what are we going to do with ChatGPT? Eventually, does every student in the school get a license for it? Because we've seen it as a viable tool. i kids to have iPads now. So, you know, does it become an app? And does it become something that we all have access to the premium service? And I don't know. I'm not going down that. I don't want to say I'm whole hog yet into chat gpt because we know there are challenges it's very early yeah and and, and, all the technology and the ai depiction i think it's very early too early to call if it's bad or good yeah and to know that cheating is there i mean i've had students that have been very honest and i appreciate their honesty i said did you use it yeah it wrote something for me i had someone said that it wrote a presentation for them the morning of because they had forgotten about it and then they went and they did it and it went well and i was like so that's there, we gotta acknowledge that, that's the, you know, that's the elephant in the room is you can cheat with it, sure. but you can also use it as a powerful tool, but the same thing was with calculators, you guys, 15 years ago, you can store equations in the back of your calculator and all sorts of stuff and get away with cheating, people we'll put it under their hat room. there's all sorts of so ways to, to, to do it. it, so, I mean, this is the first time we've ever seen AI
2: burst into, like, our lives in this way, it isn't the first time that we've seen a major innovation. There was calculators, there was Google Translate, you know, we've talked about all this. So this is not the first innovation we've ever seen in, in education and in in higher institutions as well. So I think, and you know, even with you, were you were saying like a student wrote their present, they had to write their presentation the morning of, if it still went well, then obviously they know how to give a presentation already. That's what I was going
3: to yeah, get at You, like, can't you can it. have it right for you but do you know what it's about? Like, if you research enough at the topic to give a good presentation? I honestly think that's skillful. Yes, it's wrong that they used it for the whole thing, but, you know, if they really knew how to give their presentation, should they be penalized is another question.
1: Well, and what you're driving at right now is then what are we creating? Are we creating the skill of presenting and knowing the knowledge and communicating? Which I think is important. Agreed, and I would say in in the future jobs, you know, you mentioned again, the 50 years from now, 100 years from now, it's not about information. I mean, you have Google. We, we don't need to know dates. We need to know why that date was important. And that comes with communicating and elaborating and debating and having great conversations. That's what the skill that we need to be grading is so
2: chat gpt i think we should think before we use it about why we're using it if it's really if it's something you could be doing on your own if you're doing it for efficiency or if you're doing it because you just genuinely don't know what it is you're you're talking about and i think if your answer is the second one that you don't know what you're doing then maybe you should learn first but if you're just looking for a more efficient way to get something done then i don't really think it's a bad thing i think it's something that's saving you time and if we're gonna keep, if we're gonna keep teaching kids to, uh, you know, make innovations, this is an innovation, um, and you know the, even something like ChatGPT that we say is taking jobs, it's it's you know mimicking human language. Well, it was created by a human, so obviously people are smart enough to be making innovations. Uh, so why are we why are we turning them down? all that in mind, we should just, you know, just be more thoughtful about, about what, what we're doing with it, why we're using it, but I don't think it's wrong to use it, and, and I think it's it's really great that we were able to, to have you on here, Mr. Coast, because I don't think I've ever like thought about it to to this extent before. I've used it before, but I don't think I've ever thought about the implications
1: of it uh, in this way before, so I really appreciate you coming on here. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. it very well, there's constantly innovations taking place, we're all going to use it, and so this conversation is just reflective of why are we using it?